Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. We'd traced secret Russian money pouring steadily into a trust fund in Hong Kong, controlled by a Chinese-born businessman named Drake Ko. The man we'd sent to dig, Jerry Westerby, had discovered Coe had a blonde English mistress named Lizzie Worthington. She was the only lead we had, so that's where Smiley started. It took time, and Jerry Westerby had never been the most patient of men. Uncle George says no, your eminence. Do not approach till further notice. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 quid. Or go straight to jail, I heard. Long blonde hair... Two funny little scars on her chin. I wonder how she got this. Have you been following her? I don't think she's happy. No? What's she unhappy about? The flash apartment? The E-type jag? The little Chanel suits? It's in her eyes. It's in the bottom of your glass, Your Grace. Get American Luke to take you to that new cat house in Kowloon. They've got blondes. <laughs> she's different. Oh, are you like this over every woman who crosses your path? Or is it only blondes? Can't be accused of prejudice on that front, sport. Not at all. There was this girl in Italy. Young, still a bit wild. You know, like a cult. Yeah, you told me. I thought she'd stay. I thought she was the one. What happened? The circus called. It's very good of you to see me. Who the devil are you? This is Mr. Oates, Nunk. The gentleman who rang is here about Lizzie. About your daughter, yes. He's snooping. I don't hold with snooping. You're a spy. A spy? No, I'm afraid not. Uh, my card, Mr. Pelling. Perhaps you'd like tea? He doesn't need tea. He's not a guest. What's this? Bullion Universal Security Advisors. Security Advisors, my aunt fat. Do sit down, Mr. Oates. Thank you. Oh, yeah, sit down. Stay the week. Move in, if you like. Have her bed. Fat lot of good that'd do you. She's always drunk by six o'clock. Pathetic, isn't it? No self-discipline. <laughs> Please excuse my husband. Uh, perhaps uh, if I explained, your daughter Elizabeth is being considered for an important appointment with a major overseas corporation. My organisation has been asked in confidence to obtain character references. Are you suggesting my daughter is a bad character? Of course he isn't. What do you know about it? This is a, a responsible and desirable post. It's not unreasonable that she should be subject to the same procedures as any other candidate. Does Lizzie know you're uh, talking to us? Uh, she may not even know she's been considered for the job. Talk to Mr Oates, Nunk. It's for Lizzie. You know you love her, even if you haven't heard from her in ever so long. It might be secret service, you know. It's not glamour, but that might be deliberate. I have some forms. Education, that sort of thing. Previous employers. Mm, give them to Sis. That's very kind of you. We wanted Lizzie on the stage. I was going to be her manager. We sent her to drama school. She didn't finish the course. No, she didn't need to. Then after that, well... She had a lot of dead-end jobs. She was looking around, taking a pulse before committing herself. They all wanted her, but I wouldn't fall for it. Ended up all right, though, didn't she? Hmm? Even if we're not allowed to talk about it. Oh, what can't you talk about? Well, I can't tell you, can I? As we're not allowed to talk about it. I'm afraid Lizzie made an unfortunate marriage, Mr Oates. A teacher called Worthington. Peter Worthington. She had a baby with him. I got her out of that. 
I got her back. But she, she was trying to get away from me in the first place. Take no notice of my wife, Mr Oates. She's clinically insane. Lizzie came back to me after that teacher. Back to her dear old dad. She had nowhere else. She knew where she was loved. And I knew what she needed, didn't I? I said to her, foreigners, Lizzie, eastern potentates, Arabs, that's your future. Oil, money, power, away you go. Out east, get your ticket. She's, um... She's beautiful, you see. A nightclub paid her fare. Did no such thing. She answered this advertisement. Hostess is needed, but not what you think. It's a start. A career. Don't you want the best for her? Hmm? Your own daughter? Now put down, um... Put down reception work, Mr Oates. Or, uh, learning the language. Very well. And put down... Put down... Working for the British Secret Service in a high capacity. Undercover. Go on. Put it down. Oh, nunk. There. It's out now. Mr Oates is insecurity. He says he said so. He's got a right to know, and she's got a right to have it known of her. No daughter of mine's going to be an unsung heroine. Um, sorry, the British Secret Service. It was just one of her stories. You stupid bloody hag. She'll get the George Medal before she's done. Did Lizzie have any other experience apart from the hostess work and the, um... Espionage. Not quite. Lizzie's first commercial experience, Mr Oates, was in a place called Laos. VNTR. My Lizzie owned and managed a major distilling concession in that war-torn country. She sold kegs of Scots whisky on commission. 20%. People would buy a keg and leave it to mature in Scotland as an investment to be sold off later. It was a racket. Mad ignore her. It was a racket and her lover filched the money. He was a pilot. He saved her when she ran away from the clubs and got her into the whiskey racket. If it wasn't for him, she'd have starved. Barking. Mad as a newt. Do you have a name? Ricardo. Tiny Ricardo. He died in a plane crash. Lizzie was heartbroken. She wasn't living with anyone. It was a put-up. She was working for the British Secret Service. Monk. Drug dealers, Chinese, homosexuals, every single foreign element sworn to the subversion of our island nation. My gallant Lizzie fought to halt their insidious progress. Oh, I'll show you the letter. Don't you go away, Mr Oates. Sit down, Nunk. It's only one of her stories. You know it is. It's here somewhere. <clears throat> And just sit there, you stupid woman. Help me. He's not always like this. You isn't it? Have you taken her away from me again? Oh, oh no. Here we are. Ah, you look at this, Mr Oates. It's the last I heard from her. Well, I don't need to hear. She tipped me the wink. I, I never alluded to it again. Thank you. You could leave it on the sideboard when you're finished. I'm rather tired now. I'm in need of a lie down. All these lies all the time. My Lizzie loved me. Do you mind if I read the letter? Do what you want. Pops, dearest, I'm writing in haste. I have important news. You may not hear from me for a bit, but don't worry even if you hear bad things. I am all right and cared for and doing it for a good cause. 
The British Trade Consul sent me for a job to Mr Mellon, like the fruit but with two L's. He's a well-off trader here, but that's only half the story. He works for the Secret Service, and Mellon is not his real name. He's dispatching me on a mission to Hong Kong, and he's got men everywhere to look after me. This is good work, Dad, the kind you dreamed of when you were in the war fighting for your loved ones. Pray for me and look after Mum. Your one true daughter, Elizabeth. You won't believe any of that, will you? About spies? It's balls. The truth is, Nunk wouldn't leave her alone. She had to get out. She had to find a reason not to come back. Don't want to come back to that. Her father's fingers makes you sick. Is it any wonder I drink? Do you ever hear from her? I'll get the odd postcard. She's got a dear, sweet Chinaman now. She went to him to save Ricardo, and then she fell in love with him. To save Ricardo? Oh, you men. When? Who? Why? In the bushes, dear. In a telephone box, dear. Ricardo was in trouble. She bought his life with the only currency she has. She did him proud, and then she left him. Thank you for telling me. My little Lizzie had to go behind the hedge with half of Asia before she found her Drake. But now she has. It's come out all right. He looks after her like a real father. You won't come back, will you? I shouldn't think it would be necessary, no. Good. Sir George, was it of use, venturing out amidst the alien corn? Yes, Connie, I rather think it was. You enjoyed yourself too, didn't you? Don't deny it. Connie knows George better than George thinks. Once a case man, always a case man. The name Mellon, like the fruit but with two L's. Sam Collins' work name, when he was out east for us, do you know that? It seems Lizzie Worthington worked for him in some capacity. Did Sam not mention it when you had him in before? Sam didn't mention more than he had to. He wants his old job back. Until he gets it, his memory's gone blank. That's blackmail. Well, we're not above blackmail ourselves. I suppose it's reasonable that we should have to submit to it occasionally. There's an empty office on the fourth floor next to you and Doc. Rather pokey. Sam will hate that. So Sam Collins came back, smoother than ever and just as smug. He spent hours holed up with Smiley. Nobody told us why or what they talked about. But I was starting to expect that from George, as if he didn't quite trust me anymore, any of us. When Sam finally joined our war parties, he didn't have much to offer. Connie, it's good to see you. Don't touch me, Sam. I'll scream the place down. Oh. Not maidenly modesty, I fear. Bloody arthritis. Let's sit down. So what's the story with Lizzie Worthington? Hello, Peter. Nice to see you, too. Well? Is there a problem, Peter? Don't worry, George. Peter's hostility is legendary. I'm not remotely hostile. OK. Lizzie had got herself stranded in Vientiane. She went to see the consul, and he passed her on to me. She was a looker. I gave her a job. Just as her letter said. I had a couple of low-grade drug ploys mouldering on the books. It was clear from the first she was a total disaster. She went round confiding in everyone. I'm a spy, but don't tell anyone. So I dumped her. All right, Peter? And that information got you your old job back? 
Peter. I got my job back because I'm good at it. Is that what you Boys, mean? boys. Lizzie was involved with Tiny Ricardo. They both went to work for Indo Charter. I was relieved, frankly. Then Ricardo's plane crashed up country somewhere and he died. Lizzie disappeared. Mm. She'd know you, though. If you walked up to her on Regent Street and offered to carry her bags? Oh, yes. And how does Sam's invaluable help get us closer to Drake Co? Patience, Peter. There's no desperate rush. Moscow's payments to Co have been running undisturbed for years, and so presumably has the operation they finance. There's no reason to think that will change imminently. Let's find out what we can before we stir the I pot. I found him! I've really gone and found him! You know Dr. Salis. Uh, you thought it couldn't be done, but it could, and I have. I found him. Ah, hello. Sam Collins, how'd you do? Who have you found, you noisy man? Hibbert. I was certain he'd be dead. Mind you, he's older than Moses now. Who's Hibbert, Doc? When Drake Coe studied law in London, one of his referees was a Baptist missionary who'd known Coe since he was a child. Hibbert. He now lives with his daughter in Eastbourne. And he'll see us. I said I was from Her Majesty's stationery office, that there was a possibility of a knighthood for Drake Coe if our inquiries bore fruit. A knighthood? Well, that's what I said. Uh, he's an all rider. So it's rather good. <laughs> yes, Doc, it's very good. You'd better go with him, Connie. You're good with old men. It's all those years I practised on you, George. Sir Draco, that's one thing we'd not thought of, had we, Doris? Sir, you understand why we must make such a very thorough inquiry? Oh, yes, Drake would hate to embarrass the palace. Doris takes me out every afternoon at this time if the weather's clement. I enjoy the fresh air. We call it our walk, don't we, Doris? Uh, though, of course, given the wheelchair, it's more of a push. <laughs> the shelters are rather neglected now, sadly. Love the Edwardian ironwork. Uh, go on, ask your question. Uh, may we take notes? I don't mind. There'll be a party, will there, at the palace when Drake gets his knighthood. He might put us down for invites. Think of that, Doris. A royal garden party. Hats. Tell us everything you can about Drake Coe, Mr Hibbert. How did you meet him? I was born to the calling. I was a missionary at 20, and I set sail for Shanghai four years later. The Lord's Life Mission. Not grand, but it did the job. We got our kids in from the street. A rare old hodgepodge, gangs, corruption, prostitution galore, with politics to deal with, money and greed and misery. My, my wife, bless her, became a regular Pied Piper, brought in children from all over. She'd ring a little bell and on they'd follow. It must have been 1936 when she found Drake down in the docks. An orphan, one of the many. He'd come up from Swatow by junk. His people were boat people. He was a regular little sailor. That's why we called him Drake. <laughs> Thin as wire he was. He must have been 10 or 11 and Nelson was 8. Nelson? Yes, dear, Drake's brother. We've no record of a brother. But Nelson was Drake's life. Inseparable isn't the word. I never saw two brothers so different, 
nor so faithful to one another. That's how it happens sometimes. One small piece of information dropped casually into a conversation and the whole operation turns inside out. Coe's son Nelson, his horse Lucky Nelson, his boat Admiral Nelson, all named after his brother Nelson. So it would seem that Mr Hibbert didn't know Nelson's date of birth nor his Chinese forenames. You've got a report, though, haven't you? Of course they have. I'm not entirely used to this, you know, <laughs> face to face. I did press him quite hard at some point, so I'm not sure he liked me by the end. Drake was a jolly little chap, always smiling, eager to please, as long as there was something in it for him. But Nelson, he'd look at you sometimes and clench his fist and you'd think he'd turn you to stone. When the war came, we had to leave the mission. My wife died of TB in a Japanese camp. We didn't get back to Shanghai till 1945. Drake was a young man by then, but he wept like a child when he learned my wife was dead. I loved him for that. He had fingers in all sorts of pies, of course. The little businessman even then. And Nelson, oh, he was a firebrand. He'd taken up with the communists. The arguments that boy had with me, money the root of all evil, well, I'd go along with that, of course. Religion, the opium of the masses, all sorts of nonsense. But the Lord reveals himself in mysterious ways. What Nelson was seeking was truth and justice and brotherly love, even if some of his ideas were a bit foolish. Drake was determined that Nelson should get an education. Mr Hibbert tutored Nelson till he could take the university entrance exam. He got in. What did he study? Engineering, shipbuilding, roads, railways, factories. Soon after Nelson's graduation, Drake escaped to Hong Kong. Nelson joined the shipyards, working on blueprints and building projects and learning from the Russian technicians who'd poured in after Mao's victory. Then, in 53, he was selected for further training at Leningrad University. Until? We don't know precisely. I'm looking into it. And after Leningrad? Well, Nelson went back to Shanghai. But then he died. Sometime before April 67. Nelson Coe is dead. Well, the Hibberts were living in Durham. Drake drove up to see them in his big chauffeur-driven car. He was at Gray's Inn, a mature student. He took his OBE to show the old man and a thousand pounds for his church. Doris called it showing off. Hibbert asked after Nelson, and Drake said he was dead. He didn't give any details, apparently. Just said dead, as if Nelson was a dog. I have no brother. Nelson is dead. And so much for brotherly love. The following year, Drake lost his other Nelson, too, his son. Doris showed us his last letter. Uh, Pray for my little Nelson, Mr Hibbert. Did Drake ever ask Mr Hibbert to pray for Nelson Senior? I had the same thought. He didn't. There are more ways than one of dying in China, aren't there? They're not all of them fatal. You've done very well. I'd better get that. One more thing. I asked well, if the name Lisa meant anything to him. It turns out it yeah. was his wife's name, the later Mrs Hibbert. Uh -huh. German Lutheran. The woman Drake Coe wept for when Where? she died. That's the name he calls his mistress. Tiny Ricardo and Nelson Coe. Two sudden, unexplained deaths. Well done. The cousins. 
They want to meet with you as soon as possible. They want what? To meet you, but they use the preposition. Do they really? I suppose it's the German influence. Meet with. Well, I must say. George, this is good of you. So, let me introduce one of the true legends of our profession, Mr. George Smiley. George, this is Saul Eckland, who's high in our fine drug enforcement agency. How do you do? <laughs> Saul, say hello to Peter Willem. Morning. Saul has hunted with us before, George. He's family. We like to work very closely with our good friends in narcotics. Especially when our areas overlap. And Drake co-overlaps, does he? Why else would you be here, Mr. Eckland? Okay, let's go there. On Monday, Ko and his psychic Chu were in Bangkok for a meeting with a drug baron from Chiang Mai. Ko and Chu took the guy to inspect a fleet of small coasters. Used officially for transporting concrete to Hong Kong. Concrete, my ass. Look, we've been going after those boats for years. They're clean when they leave port. They don't take the stuff aboard till they're at sea. Nobody knows which boat will carry the dope till a launch pulls up alongside and hands it over. They get to Hong Kong waters, they drop the dope overboard with markers, and the junk scoop it in. The two child coast people. That's right. Drake Co. is involved in drug smuggling and you want to arrest him. You got it. But Hong Kong is British territory. You have no authority there and we have your agreement, Martello, that this case is ours, entirely ours. Shall I tell them? Oh, please do. Tiny Ricardo, the pilot who worked for Co. in Vientiane... He's dead. You confirmed as much. Eh, uh, sorry, George. Seems he isn't. Ricardo isn't dead. And we think he's still working for Co. Take notes, Peter, would you? Ricardo's death in a plane crash was registered on or around August 21. But it seems he contacted one of drug enforcement's bureaus two weeks after that. Which bureau? I'm not going to say. George, I should fill you in on a little background. During the Laos conflict, we used a few of the hilltop tribes for combat purposes. Your volunteers fighting against the commies, get me? A lot of those hill tribes were one-crop communities. Opium. They were simple people. They knew no better. The enforcement agency was out there trying to stop the drugs trade, and Martello's people were participating in it. In the national interest... How does this relate to Ricardo? He was one of our pilots. As long as the war was on, Ricardo carried dope from Martello's people. War ended, they kissed him off and pulled up the ladder, so he carried on for himself. When Ricardo contacted Saul's enforcement field man, he offered him for 100 kilos of raw opium at standard buy-in prices. And your man bought it? There's a fixed tariff. Gets the stuff off the streets. In addition, Ricardo wanted 50 grand and a West German passport for a one-time journey out. In exchange for the opium? No, this was extra. He claimed to have information about an opium mission he was ordered to fly into Red China. China? Oh. Ricardo was asked for a teaser, I presume. Sure. He said he'd been approached by Mr. Chu. Chu ordered him to fly the dope into Red China and bring back an unspecified load in payment. He said he embarked on his journey but chickened out. He said he knew who was behind the deal. The Mr. Big of all Mr. Bigs. He said he knew the whole story, but they all say that. He said if the people who'd sent him ever found him, they'd kick his teeth right up his throat. His very words. He said he had the plane still hidden, a beechcraft, and offered to show it to our agent at their next meeting. In our game, there's two views of history, George. Conspiracy and screw-up. This one's a screw-up, no question at all. Our field man passed. 
The guy in question no longer works for the agency. But we're all scared of, isn't it? The big one that slips through our fingers. And where's Ricardo now? Not known. You're satisfied it was him? One hundred percent. Are there any theories as to what the unspecified load in payment might have been? Gold, maybe. And Ricardo didn't give any hint of where he was to deliver his return. I, I told you, that's all we have. Beechcraft, is that a single-engine plane? Oh, crying out loud. Twin, George, twin kind of executive run about that sort of thing. And the weight of the opium was 400 kilos? Mm, just short of half a metric ton. What kind of a game are we playing round here? Drake Co. is smuggling dope on a massive scale. We, we've got a whole apparatus standing by to shake out his operation. Put him away for 10 to 30. We've got drugs on him. We've got the biggest damn load of red gold we ever saw Moscow hand to one man in all our lives. Martin. And if this guy, Ricardo, is telling the truth, we've got the first ever proof that Moscow wants to ferry dope into Red China to get them addicted, the same as they're doing for us. <sighs> and what do we do? Go for Coe's juggler? Do we hell? We float like a butterfly and we sting like one. Oh, my lord. If no. we'd been handling this thing, we'd have had that bastard trussed over a barrel weeks ago. But however it may distress you, Mr. Eckland, you cannot arrest Drake Coe because there is an agreement with the British government. Hong Kong is British. You may not operate in British areas without our express permission. And there is a specific contract relating to this case. It is ours, no matter where it leads. No action by any American agency. Your country gave its word, and I take that word to be still good, and I regard that understanding as irreducible. What did I tell you, Martello? You get the guy to see straight. I'm done here. Sorry about that. Saul gets passionate. He knows about the Russian gold seam going to Co. Not details. So who else have your headquarters told? Revenue, customs, their 12 best friends? In speaking to you at all about this matter, I am in breach of an agreement with my masters. God in heaven! We have politics too, George. Enforcement are after our blood. That dope story's gotten a lot of airtime on the hill. Could I just know what the deal is, in plain words? There's no deal, George. This is your case. You fish for Co. With a little help from us, maybe. Then, if you don't come up with anything, enforcement will try their skill. How long have we got before your narcotics people come barging in? It's not like Three that. months? That's a little generous. Less? Ten to twelve weeks. It's not that rigid, George. I want one thing clear. My service will not only play the fish, we will also land it. If that is the angling expression, I'm not a sportsman, I'm afraid. <laughs> land it, hook it, beach it. Show up. I insist on it being our operation. First rights. This must be the subject of an exchange of letters between us. Okay, George, you got yourself a deal. I had a deal already. Your people broke it. share the joke. It's you, George. Just realised how clever you've been. Have I? Hey, you've kept our best card close to your chest. You haven't told the cousins a word about Nelson Coe. Well, one doesn't like to burden them. <laughs> Did I mention, by the way, that Sam Collins is no longer with us? He and the Circus of Party Company. Huh. That's a bit sudden. Having complained so bitterly about his arrival, Peter, I expected you to be pleased about his departure. Is that all you're going to tell me? That's all there is to tell. His pension rights have been reassessed and a settlement reached which suits all parties. So what do we do next? Given that we now have a deadline, we shall have to change tack. 
So far we've gone out of our way to prevent Draco becoming aware of our interest in him, but now I think we have no option but to let him know he's being investigated. Mm. We must light a fire on his doorstep and see which way he runs. And the tactic you used with Bill Hayden? Yes. Who's going to do it? I think we might use Jerry Westerby, don't you? He's been kicking his heels for long enough. I was beginning to think Uncle George had disowned me. How could that be? You're Uncle George's favourite black sheep. And tonight, you get to spend time with the blonde of your, no doubt, disgusting dreams. <laughs> right, pick her up in the lobby of her apartment block. This calls for orchids. Why? Well, when you're my size sport, you have to have a good reason for being somewhere. I want to look like an admirer, not a lurker. Mm, whatever you want. And when she comes out of the lift... I rely on my natural charm and good looks, Which right? gets you a long way, Jerry, I'm sure. But just to be on the safe side, back in Vientiane, Lizzie Worthington sold kegs of whiskey for Ricardo. Every one of them to a male buyer. And a fair number with service thrown in. Gives new meaning to the term good measure, I venture to suggest. I was one of the buyers, right? Mm -hmm. And we're banking on her not remembering I wasn't. Exactly. I'm hurt. You think I'm so unmemorable. Oh, you play a blinder. What if she doesn't come out of the lift? She will. She has a firm weekly date with a girlfriend every Monday at the American Club. Regular as clockwork. Uh-huh. And where's Co tonight? Bangkok. Trading. Let's hope he stays there. Amen, sir. Amen. <laughs> oh, and just remember, Your Grace, dealing with beautiful women is like dealing with known criminals. And the lady you are about to solicit undoubtedly falls into both categories. Lizzie? Hey, Lizzie, it's me. Jerry. I'm sorry? Lizzie Worthington. How's the whiskey? Remember me? One of your proud investors? Um. Jerry, chum of Tiny Ricardo's. One 50 gallon keg with my name on the label, all paid and above board. Why, of course. Jerry, Jerry. Uh... Westerby, Newshound, the Constellation Bar in Venchan, remember? Of course, Jerry, darling. How could I forget? What are you doing in Hong Kong? Oh, we're here for the comic, usual beat, fire, plague and famine. That's quite a bunch of orchids. Who's the lucky girl? A girl so lucky she's just given me my marching orders. Oh, dear. So, you must have them. Oh, I couldn't. Ah, for old times' sake. No, really, I couldn't. I'm going into town. That's my car they've just bought round. They'll wilt before I'm back, Jerry. Your car? That scarlet beast, well, that's how you spend your whiskey profits. Very nice. Mm. Uh, uh, tell you what, we'll give the orchids to the doorman to keep for you and you can give me a lift back into town. Well, I... Oh, thanks, sport. You're a trooper. Uh, drop me at the Mandarin. Fancy bumping into lovely Lizzie, of all people. What a night we had, remember? I have lots of good memories of Yen Chan. I bet you do. I bet. But it seems centuries away. There's no comparison between Vientiane and Hong Kong, is there? Still see Rick, do you? Rick died. Did you not know? That's terrible. Afterwards, I never thought I'd care for anywhere again. I was completely wrong. Hong Kong has to be the most fun city in the world. The mm. people here are marvellous. <laughs> here we are. 
Jerry, it's been super to see you. I'm sorry about your girlfriend. I hope your evening improves. Sport, I cannot tell a lie. I'm a viper in your nest. Not to put too fine an edge on it, my paper told me to run you to Earth and besiege you with many searching questions regarding your chum, Ricardo. Ricardo's dead, I told you. Sure. Only the comic is in possession of what they're pleased to call a hot tip that he's alive. And I'm afraid it's my job to humour them. That's absurd. Agreed. Totally. The consolation prize is two dozen well-thumbed orchids and the best dinner in town. Sorry if I've upset you. Forgive me, Jerry. It's just that when you love a man, when you give everything up for him and he dies one evening out of the blue... Sure. I'm sorry. Why should you be sorry? If he's alive, that's a bonus. If he's dead, nothing's changed. Rick always said he was indestructible. Dinner, then? Let's get a drink first. Anywhere you fancy. I know a good place. This band isn't bad. If you haven't heard the original. Don't be mean. <laughs> You're right, they're not bad. Rick and I used to dance to this. Rick danced with his limp. That never stopped him doing anything. I'll never go back to him, you know. If he's alive, that chapter's closed. How did he get it, the limp? Either the war or an angry husband. <laughs> it depends who he was telling. And what about you? There's two little scars on your chin. Oh, those. Oh, not very gentlemanly to mention it, I know, but they're rather cute. Hunting innocent foxes. My dear papa was hunting mad, still is, dear daddy. Still lives in Shropshire in the tumble-down castle. Miles too big, but he won't move. Who were you phoning just now? Phoning? When I went for a jimmy. Oh, nobody, darling. My girlfriend, to let her know I couldn't make it tonight. Are you hungry? They do marvellous Kobe beef next door. Later. You said your paper had a hot tip. What does that mean, exactly? Officially, Rick crashed 18 months ago near the Thai-Cambodian border. Only no one found a body. The insurance company never paid up and Indochata never sued them. There's talk he was doing an opium run. Really? Now we have reports he's been seen around the haunts. He's grown a beard, but he can't kill the limp, nor, saving your presence, his habit of chasing everything in a skirt within a five-mile radius. Oh. Oh, don't look at me like that, sport. It's not my idea. It's London's. I don't know anything about it. Another thing I'm to ask you about is the whiskey racket. <laughs> it was not a racket. <laughs> Sport, you were as straight as a die. No breath of scandal attaches, etc. But Rick cut a few too many corners, didn't he? Pocketed the cash? According to our information, the whole world was gunning for him. Rick was on his knees. Then one day, bingo. Ritz withdraw, shades of the prison bars recede. Rick was a clever man, had all sorts up his sleeve. Who bailed him out, Lizzie? Who bought his debt? Hello there. Good evening. Oh, how amazing. How extraordinary. Look who it is, Mr. Chew. Mr. Chew, what a surprise. Jerry, this is a very good friend who helps look after me. Mr. Chew, this is Jerry from Fleet Street. It's all very exciting. We met, Sport, at Happy Valley. Sure. 
You're the horse rider. We're just about to go next door and have the beef, Mr. Chu. You must join us. Is that all right, Jerry? Why not? Unusual aftershave, Mr. Chu. What is it exactly? Almonds and rose water. Mm. Isn't the beef heavenly? Wasn't I right? Very nice. You are horse rider, right, Mr. Wesby? Why you bother pretty girls? You're right, sport. Horses are much safer. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking for Ricardo, Mr. Chu. He thinks Ricardo is alive. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I have no vestige of feeling for Rick now, but it would be lovely to have him back with us. Think of the party we could give. Lisa told you Ricardo's still around. Who, old boy? Didn't catch the name. Lisa. Her. She told you this pilot guy's still alive. I never reveal my sources, Mr. Chu. Sweet, sweet tradition. <laughs> <laughs> What's this Lisa thing, anyway? You're Lizzie. Oh, new leaf, new town, new name. I wanted a change. Some girls get a new haircut. I get a new name. Got a new fellow to go with it? No, no. <laughs> What's wrong with this town, Mr. Chu? Have all the men gone blind? Me, I'd cross continents for her, wouldn't you? Whatever she calls herself. Me, I stay Karunshine and call her up. Tell her come over see me. I pay one hour. She busy. I buy other girls. <laughs> that wasn't a very gentlemanly sport. Oh, it's just his sense of humour. You were telling me about Ricardo. Rick, yes. There I was working for this little airline called Indo Charter. Some dear Chinese people Daddy knew, and Ricardo was a shocking businessman. He got into the most frightful debt, and suddenly my lovely dotty Chinese friends decided they needed another charter pilot. They settled his debts, put him on a salary at Indo Charter, gave him an old banger to fly. He wasn't flying an old banger when he went missing. It was a brand new Beechcraft. Indo Charter never owned a Beechcraft. My editors checked it right through. Maybe Lisa stole them one. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a fairy tale. One moment Rick can scarcely eat and owed us all money. My allowance from Daddy, Charlie's savings. Rick practically ruined us all. Oh, Charlie, yes. Yes, old Charlie. And the next thing we knew, Rick was in the clear. Life was a ball again. All those other poor pilots grounded and Rick and Charlie flying all over the place like... Like blue-arse flies. Blue-arse flies. <laughs> you pretty funny fellow, horse rider. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to old Charlie? After Rick did his disappearing number, don't tell me he went down with the ship too. <laughs> Tell me uh, about Charlie. Oh, Charlie's indestructible, completely immortal. Oh, what was his second name again? Um, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Charlie, uh, Charlie... Charlie Marshall. You should meet him, Mr Chu. A fantastic half-Chinese. All skin and bones and opium and a completely brilliant pilot. His father's old Kuomintang, a terrific brigand. His mother was some poor Corsican girl, a truly fantastic character. Yes, Charlie's a prince. Super. Where is he now? We didn't stay in touch. There's a story Indo-Charter had some local Russian embassy link. What? that ring any bells at all, Spool? Russians? Why on earth would Russians come to us? Aeroflot had regular flights in and out of Vientiane. Not even local runs, fetching and carrying, courier service or whatever? Never, how could we? Russians pretty bad people, Mr Westbrook. Only my editor's convinced we can do a Reds under the bed job. Ricardo's Soviet paymasters. That's crazy. Rick never received a penny from the Russians. But Indochata did. Unless my lords and masters have been sold a total pup, they drew money from the local embassy and piped it down to Hong Kong in US dollars. I've never heard such nonsense. Hmm? What about you, Mr Chu? You ever heard of anything like that? You know what, Mr Wesby? You want to stick to horse riding? 
Hear that? In my opinion, you get more money that way. And live longer. Well, Your Eminence, won't Uncle George be pleased with you? This Charlie Marshall, Ricardo's fellow pilot. First I've heard of him. First anyone's heard of him. It's what Stubbsy might term a scoop. London will swoon with joy. Here's to you, sir. If Bloody Chew had called me a horse rider one more time, he'd have got a lump of Kobe beef jammed in a very unexpected orifice, hoisting sauce and all. No, you stay away from Chew. He's a pretty unpleasant character. Yeah. A regular Chinese dragon. No, I'm not joking, Jerry. Be careful. Choose a dragon and Liz is the princess he's guarding in the tower block. Unfortunately, we do not know any knights who might come to the rescue, do we? Jerry? You coming to help me celebrate? American Luke knows a bar where they do cobra fights. No, I bet he does. Journos like American Luke are one of the reasons I quit. You used to be a laugh sport. You know, the passing years, what can I say? There's a new cat house in Causeway Bay. Your old banker mate Frosty frequents it, are you? Frosty? I'm Beelzebub himself in Frosty's eyes. Very definitely non grata after I leaned on him for Co's bank account. I'm not in the mood for a cat house anyway. Not after dinner with Lisa. Jerry. I know. Business and pleasure not to be mixed. Get a whore, Jerry. It'll cost you a whole lot less. Jerry! Are you drunk? <laughs> As a lord, Luke Olson. <laughs> As a bloody lord, my lord. <sighs> I need a place to crash. Well, there's a very handy pavement just over there, sport. Yours for $10 US. I'm serious. <laughs> I gave up my apartment. They were sending me to Nav. They figure it's not too long to go. Well, I messed the dates up. Drunk again? Well, could be. It was a Friday. Hmm. So I thought, I know just the hotel. The Westerby. Hot and cold, running whiskey, fully fitted hookers, room service like you wouldn't believe. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> no can do. No. Sorry. Well, screw you. Lukey. Screw you. That's the last time I do you a favor. Oh, what favor was that exactly? Stuck up English nut job. Nut job. Please yourself. Oh no. Oh bloody Nora. What's Sam Collins doing in Hong Kong? Sam Collins. I've just seen him. You're hallucinating. Half an hour ago. Sitting in a parked car outside Lizzie Worthington's apartment block with a clear view of her windows. Just sitting there, reading his paper. Surveillance, sport, no question. The minute he saw me in his wing mirror, he drove off. Oh, I know nothing about it. If it was Collins. It was Collins. Well, he's not circus anymore. He left under a cloud after Bill Hayden. I worked to Collins a couple of times when he was Mr. Mellon of Vientiane. He's a grade one asshole. What were you doing near Lizzie Worthington's apartment anyway? Weren't on a wreck yourself, were you? With the discovery of Charlie Marshall as a potential lead to Ricardo, Jollity threatened to break out at the circus, and the mood got even better when the doc summoned us all to the rumpus room. Go, Shang Shu, later known as Yao Kai Shong. But within these walls, we'll continue to refer to him as Nelson. Oh, good. 
Born 1928. What Mr. Hibbert told us previously is accurate. He became a committed communist before Mao's takeover and graduated from the University of Communications in Shanghai with conspicuous excellence in 1951. And went to Leningrad. 53 to uh, 56. Connie? Uh, we have a brother, Brett Lev, darling. Leningrad faculty of shipbuilding. Old-time China hand. A Carla-trained talent spotter trawling the overseas students for likely lads and lasses. And uh, Nelson would certainly have looked like a likely lad. Yeah, uh, Nelson returned to Shanghai in 1957. Ah, but his... Dates in Leningrad were 53 to 56. What about the missing year? Well, the official explanation is a tour of Soviet shipyards. Got him. Leningrad sent Nelson back to China with the highest references. Well, of course, dear. You've been to lovely Carla's lovely training school. <laughs> Send a bright, shiny, new mole like Nelson home to China and give him a decent start in life. That's the ticket. And Carla has an agent in China's shipyards. We'll like one ourselves. But it couldn't last, could it? How long was admiring Russia fashionable in Mao's new yeah, wonderland? Well, uh, Nelson was indeed disgraced in the Cultural Revolution for being too pro-Soviet. Is that what Draco meant when he said Nelson was dead? Well, I imagine so. Uh, before his disgrace, Nelson was managing most of the shipbuilding in Qiannan and on committees for naval planning and strategic policy. Carla's investment had paid off. Oh, indeed. You know... Carla was the only one of all those ghastly Russians to see the backlash coming. Look out for the yellow peril, he told them. One day they'll turn and bite the hand that's feeding them. Then there'll be 800 million new enemies banging on the back door and our guns will all be pointing the wrong way. <laughs> they didn't listen. Hey, George? Spy on your friends today, they'll be your enemies tomorrow. So, Doc, Nelson was purged in the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, the usual grim story, one supposes. The dunce's cap spat on in the street, wife and children beaten up, put into camps to uh, reconsider the peasant virtues. When he finally came back to Shanghai, he started at the bottom again. How long did it take him to climb back? He began to be functional about three years ago. His formal rehabilitation happened at the beginning of 73. Ah, that fits. The payments to date begin in mid-72. They rise steeply in 73. By October 73, Nelson is acting in an unknown capacity on the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party. Holy smoke. Then he pops up in the Ministry of Defence. If we could pick ourselves one slot for an agent inside Red China, Nelson's would be it. Because? Well, he could tell us the capacity of the Chinese shipyards, the submarine potential, a chapter and verse on the new sub the Chinese are supposedly developing. And the money? Sent to Drake against the day Nelson can leave China and spend it. So, this is our hypothesis. Nelson Co is Carla's mole sitting on a priceless crock of Chinese intelligence. Carla's done it again. He's China's Bill Hayden, isn't he? Nelson is acting on Carla's orders. Those orders would show us precisely how much the Russians know about their Chinese enemy and even what they intend towards him. We could take back Bering's galore if we can lay our hands on Nelson. It would be the biggest scoop there's been in years, darling. Restore our reputation at a stroke. Could the circus back at the top table? If we can lay hands on Nelson. Well, we certainly can't touch him inside China. Oh, Georgie, Georgie, you clever man. You've got a marvellous plan, haven't you? Drake has already tried to get Nelson out once. He sent Ricardo into mainland China to pick up an unknown return cargo. That unknown cargo was, I believe, his brother Nelson. 
But why get him out? If Nelson's so important a man in China and Carla's funding his eventual retirement, he could just hold steady and rake in the profits. For how long? Nelson's already had one fall from grace. If his cover were to be blown now, it wouldn't just be re-education, it would be a very nasty death. Nelson's walking on eggshells and nobody can do that forever. Perhaps Nelson's losing his nerve. Perhaps he just wants to see his brother again. So... If the Chinese find out about Nelson, Nelson is dead. Yes. So, our task is clear. We persuade Drake Co. that Nelson's cover is about to be blown. Drake will try to get Nelson out of China without delay. And that's when we scoop him up. Is this seat taken? Well, there are plenty of other... Oh. Hello, Lizzie. You're looking well. It's Lisa now. What on earth are you doing here? I could ask you the same question. Oh, no, I forgot. You're whoring with a Chinaman, silly me. What do you want, Melon? That's still your name. A little chat about the good old days. I don't remember them being good. Well, that's behind me now. I have nothing to say to you. Oh, I don't think that's true. Not at all, Lizzie. Not now, not here. That's better. Is this gentleman bothering you, Lizzie? <laughs> Beg your pardon. Jerry? Well, here's a face from the past. Still pounding the pavements, Jerry. I'd have thought that was work for a younger man. I'd take a walk if I were you, Sport. Well, did they chuck you out when Daddy lost the newspaper? Yes, you'd be well advised to move on. Sounds like a threat. Does it really? This lady and I were just passing the time of day. She'd rather you passed it somewhere else. Well, I've never been one to stay when I'm not welcome. You must move around a lot. Another time, Lizzie. Don't bank on it, sport. Faithful guard dog, eh? I thought that was Chew's job. Please. See you later, Lizzie. Why the hell did you have to stick your nose in? Pure coincidence. Having a drink at the bar, saw you come in. Saw your face when he sat down with you. Mind your own business. Looked like you needed a hand. Well, you were wrong. I have to go. Let me buy you a drink. I've got an appointment. Ten minutes. No. No, Jerry. I'm all right, you know. I don't need rescuing. Where's here, Luke? Downstairs, you big ape. You'll want this one. <laughs> Man, you'll want this one. Tell me. A body. Well, it was once. You should see it. Uh, they must have taken days to kill him. Found in an alley in the walled city. Senior official of the South Asian and China Bank, trustee department. Name of? Rost. You there? Jerry? Yes, I'm here. Whoever killed him, they had themselves a party. You coming or what? What the hell have we done? What? Nothing. Um, give me two minutes. Should we have been expecting it? We were all so focused on deciding what the next stage would be, we'd underestimated how Co might react. Ostensibly on behalf of his paper, Westerby had bribed Frost to open Co's bank account and find out about the Russian money. In Co's eyes, 
Frost was a disloyal servant who had to be punished. It's a very Chinese way of thinking. I want the arithmetic. Outside these four walls, who knows we leaned on Frost? Craw, Westerby. If they've any nows, the Americans will have guessed. Not Laken, not Whitehall? No, and not Carla either. No, this isn't Carla's style. It's Co panicking. Co's not a thug. His sidekick is, too. He does the dirty work. Yes, you're right. We sought to stir Co into action. The response was simply more than we expected. We've drawn them, George. It, there is no proven link between our actions and Frost's death. Don't speak as though we're all accomplices here. Frost was eminently corruptible. I ordered this initiative, Doc. I won't refuse to look at the consequences merely because they're ugly. The poor devil didn't know enough, though, did he? What could he give them? One zealous journalist, name of Westerby. They had that already. So, of course, they went on and on. Peter, please ask the Americans to step up the surveillance on Chew. <laughs> Static posts only, no street work, no frightening the game. What about Westerby? There's nothing more he can do in Hong Kong. Put a call through to Craw for me, Peter, would you? It's open. Oh, what the hell happened here? Do you have the DTs or something? Wasn't me, sport. It was like this when I got back tonight. No stone unturned, no item of furniture left unsmashed. Can you smell anything? Like? Rose water, almonds. Yeah, now you mentioned. Choose aftershave. It's not a mistake. He wanted me to know it was him who wrecked the place. Don't tell me I'm imagining things, sport. Frost is dead because of me. Oh, it happens. I killed him, Craw. I saw the body. Grim. Oh, come on, Jerry. Don't give me the just-obeying orders crap. It's not only the generals who are responsible, it's every man who carries the gun. Oh, that's balls. This is not what I signed on for. You don't get a menu, you get what's served up. You know that. Oh, piss off. Here's a bit of advice, Your Eminence. Let this place to American Luke. He won't notice the mess. Besides, you won't be needing it for a while. Uncle George wants you to find Ricardo. How? There are no leads. Find the other pilot, Charlie Marshall, and there might be. We think he's in Cambodia. Great. I go into the middle of a bloody war zone and get my ass shot off or stay here and have Chew dine on my privates. Oh, it's great to have choices in life, eh? I don't want to leave Lizzie. Orders is orders, Your Grace. She's not safe. The sharks are circling. This is such a bloody mess. Could be worse. You fly to Phnom Penh in the morning. You should have gone home hours ago. Tell Connie, George. Connie understands. Nothing to tell, Con. Pretty, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, you look younger when you laugh. Craw reckons Jerry's developed a soft spot for Lizzie Worthington. Jerry's a professional. He's a man, darling. It's academic now. He's on his way to Cambodia. I suppose... You know, Con, men do sometimes find their feet drifting in the direction of unattainable women. Sometimes just to glimpse them is enough. Through a window, perhaps. Do you know what makes us different from Carla and all the others? I used to. He wouldn't give two pins for one dead frost, nor for ten. And we mind. 
Remember what Steed Asprey used to say back when the world was young? We're fighting for the survival of reasonable man. I loved that. It covered it all. That's what we are, George. Reasonable. Do you think that's still true? I worry, you see, that in the interests of maintaining peace, no stone will be left standing. What do you want to do about Sam Collins? He's to stand by. Wait for the green light. In part two of The Honourable Schoolboy by John le Carre, George Smiley was played by Simon Russell Beale and Jerry Westerby by Hugh Bonneville. Peter Gwillem was Richard Delane. Crawl, Philip Quast. Lisa Worth, Daisy Haggard. Connie Sachs, Maggie Steed. Dr. Salis, Bruce Alexander. And Martello, John Garasio. Sam Collins was played by Nicholas Bolton. Hibbert by Ewan Hooper. Tew, Paul Courtney Hugh. Mr. Pelling, John Biggins. Mrs. Pelling, Kate Layden. Eckland, Reese Jennings. And American Luke by Joseph Cohen Cole. The Honourable Schoolboy was dramatised by Sean McKenna and the director was Mark Beebe. Thank you for listening and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.